0: excited to be back, but let me, uh, let's just start here. We've been in, uh, uh, there we go, <clears throat> we have been uh, over, since Easter really, in this series called All of Me. And All of Me has really been trying to kind of talk about and digest what does this, what does this look like, right? What does is, what is my relationship with God look like? This, this resurrected Jesus, who if I really do believe in the resurrection, what does this mean for me? All right, if the resurrection is real, it changes everything. If the resurrection is real, everything about me needs to be different. And we've talked about how and how in some of those specific cases we need to be different. We talked about the first 2 weeks, 2 weeks of this, really talking about this exchange that happens when we accept Christ, right? We we exchange all of us, everything that we are. And in return, we we get all of God. Now, what? This is you will never find a better bargain anywhere. Right? There's no store that could give you a better deal. There's nothing that could give you a better deal. All of me for all of God. Yes, please. But oftentimes we know that up here, but it doesn't always connect here. We don't always actually end up going and living out like, oh, I've given up all of me. Right? So we've, we've been talking a little bit about all the different areas that we need to give up, Right, all of our emotions. We need to give up all of our desires and all of our emotions to God. God doesn't just want us to, to know him. God wants us to enjoy him and to, to be in love with him as much as he loves us. The next week we talked about uh, giving up our, our will and, and not just praying like, God, show me your will. But changing that prayer to something more like, God, would you align my life with your will? I want to live for you. My life is yours. My will is yours. Two weeks ago, we talked about giving all of our mind to God. That familiar passage about being transformed by the renewing of our mind. We talked about being renewed in our minds and giving our minds to, to Christ and being transformed from the inside out. I'm not sure that there is a better day to close this series than today. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is the, the, basically the birthday of the church. All right, this is what today means. It's the birth of the church. For many years, it's one of those days that you come to church and you're like, oh yeah, it's Pentecost Sunday. I think our liturgical brothers and sisters get this way better than we do. They celebrate. They, they make this a big deal. But it is, it is a big deal. Right? Pentecost Sunday is a big deal. It's a, it's a big day. It's a day that we read about in Acts chapter 2. So actually, we're going to do that this morning. Go to Acts chapter 2 with me. We're going to read about Pentecost Sunday. And I think it really ties right into where we're going as we end this series. But Acts chapter 2, we're just going to start at verse 1 and read for a little bit here. <clears throat> it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and Converse Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, What does this mean? Somehow, however, made fun of them, and said they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. I love this passage. I want to just put us here for a second, right? Just put, put us in the middle. Can you imagine this day? You're in a house, you're in a room with, with your friends, your other believers, the disciples, and a group of others. And all of a sudden, this, this sound like a roaring wind comes in. The sound like the blowing of a violent wind. Now, here in California, we do not really get this too much. We don't get the violent winds. Uh, we don't, some parts do, right? You go, I've heard of camping in the desert where you just get blown over, right? But uh, you know, when I hear this, I think of like tornado, hurricane. That's immediately what comes to my mind. When I think of just the roaring of a violent wind, that's what I'm thinking about. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Just, just maybe today, just go on YouTube and just Google like tornado wind sounds. It is wild. You listen to a hurricane, and it is wild, how violent the winds are. And it's not just like these guys are hearing this outside. it filled the room where they were. And all of a sudden, they, they begin to see tongues of fire that separate and come to rest on each of them. Now, yeah, if, you've, if, you've, if you know me, you know that I have this thing that I know is in heaven, and if it's not, I'm going to build it. It's called the replay room, right? And this is one of those replay room nominees. I want to see this. I want to see this day. I want to see the disciples fill this house. I want to see the winds come just tearing through the the sound of it, right? They didn't say it's windy. They just said the sound of the wind was there. And then the tongues come down. I want to to see this. There's wind. There's fire. They receive the Holy Spirit. And from that point on, things are different. From this point on, things are different in the church. This is the birth of the church here. Later on in this chapter, we get to the familiar passage that we read, you know, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. This is the birth of the church, and it's amazing. The Holy Spirit comes on them, and they are different. The Holy Spirit comes on them, and things change. They begin to live differently, speak differently, and what happens? We read at the very end of this, people are coming to Christ every single day. And the rest of Acts is the story of the beginning of the church. This is a huge turning point for the church. People are being saved daily, lives are being changed, the church furthers the gospel. You and I are here today because of what happened on this day. I want you to hear that, I want you to get that. That was the turning point. And that's really what this series is, is all about. This great exchange, everything that we are for all that God is. God comes into us and puts what inside? He puts the Holy Spirit inside each and every single one of us. If we have said yes to Christ, we have received the Holy Spirit. Now, it might not have come with a tongue of fire sitting on your head, but it's there. You may not have seen that imagery, but that Holy Spirit sits right here Within you, and He empowers you to do the exact same things that the early church was doing. Lives can be added daily because of the Holy Spirit's work within the church. This is this is huge. This is the great exchange. This is everything. And the question is. What does this look like in our lives? And we've talked about some of that. We've talked about our emotions and our desires. We've talked about our will and our minds. But what about when we move kind of outside of us? What does this look like? What does all of me look like when I move outside of all of me? That's really what I want to spend our time talking about this morning because we're going to be, we're actually going to be in the book of Colossians, if you want to go there. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be kind of hanging out there for the rest of the day. Uh, if you want to go there with me, Colossians chapter 3. If you're in one of our pew Bibles, on page 1016, if you need some help. Uh, and uh, we're going we're to read this together. But I want to just see what happens in Colossians chapter 3. And I want you to see, I want you to hear this before we read it. And then I want you to see how this begins to move and to work in the church. Because here's the thing, here's the, if you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. Everything that God has done in you is intended to affect everyone that Christ puts around you. Everything that Christ has done in you is intended to affect everyone that Christ puts around you. This is the truth. This is kind of the fulfillment of of all of me. When our minds change, when our desires change, our will change, our emotions change, what happens is it affects everything around us and everyone around us. So let's read this. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read 1 through 17. Uh, You can follow along as I read. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming." Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another, bear with each other, and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. I think here's the picture that we get in Colossians chapter 3. Yeah, the second week of this series, we spent a lot of time in Colossians chapter 1. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That was two chapters ago. Really, what Paul is doing from here on out is, in the book of Colossians, he's kind of unpacking what that means. Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is, does that look like played out? And, and what we see here is Paul showing us what it comes down to. To when we're trying to cultivate relationships with other people and do so in the name of Christ? Cultivating, if you will, sort of a spiritually transformed relationship. What does that look like? And I think as we read this, this, just this section of this chapter, there's a couple things that I think will really help us as we go forward in dealing with people, dealing with the people around us, helping all that Christ is doing in us to affect everything that is outside of us. I think there's some reminders that we need this morning. Here's the first thing. We need to be reminded of really the wholeness that we have in Christ. We have wholeness in Christ. You get back to verse 1 through 4 there. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. This is basically a recap of what we have been talking a lot about. We are raised with Christ. We can set our minds on Christ. We have died with Christ. Our lives are now hidden with Christ. Christ is our life. I'll just, just talk about this. We have, we died with Christ. What does that mean? We've, we've talked about Galatians 2.20 a bunch during this series. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live in the body through the Son We we see this verse. This is, I have died with Christ. When Christ died, what did he die for? He died to pay the penalty for sin. He died to give us power over sin. And when you die with Christ, it means you no longer have to pay the penalty for sin. And the power of sin no longer has any power over you. We have... hear me now? Perfect. All right. <coughs> where was I? Uh, I know exactly where we were. We have, we have died with Christ. Right? We, are, we, are, we have died with Christ. And not only have we died with him, we live in Christ. We die with Christ. We live in Christ. He is our life now. We're not waiting on eternal life to begin. We've talked about this a few times. Eternal life is not just something that happens right after we die. Uh, We're not like here patiently waiting for eternal life to start. Eternal life starts now. The kingdom of God is now. Uh, We live with Christ now, but we also, he is our life now, but he also is our life forever. There will be a day when Jesus will return. There will be a day when we will be with him, when we were praised with, with all the other believers. We will be the ones singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That will be us someday, but that day is not yet. But for now, we worship together. We do sing holy, 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 but we're not with the angels yet, right? We, we are a part of the kingdom of God right now. Jesus is our life now, and he is our life forever. There will be at one point no more tears or sin or night or darkness. Jesus will be there, and he will be our life forever. Think about the, the wholeness that this means. If we have died with Christ, and now we live in Christ now, Think about what that means. That's, that's a picture of wholeness right there. And how does that wholeness affect the way that we relate to people? Here's, let's be honest. All of us, without exception, when it comes to human relationships, bring some baggage with us. Every single one of us has hurts. Every single one of us has pains. Every single one of us has some things that we would have rather not had to go through in our life, but they're there. And we bring that. So every one of us comes to a relationship with some brokenness. But that brokenness is not who we are. That brokenness does not have to define who we are. It definitely affects who we are. In some ways we are who we are because of the brokenness. There's a lot of things that I do in my life because of the brokenness that was in my life. But I know this, when I I come into a relationship with someone else, whether it's someone I meet at the grocery store or someone that I've known here at the church, it doesn't matter, I come to that relationship whole in Christ. And they can come to this relationship whole in Christ. Our brokenness is there, and we can... We can deal with it. But really, if you think about the beauty of this this passage in Colossians 3, it's when, when you trust in Christ and you die with Christ, now you live in Christ, he makes you whole. <clears throat> and it frees you from finding sufficiency and finding importance just in relationship with other people. Because we have our wholeness in Christ. It frees us to find that wholeness in relationship with Christ. Now, does this mean we don't need each other because I don't need you to be whole and you don't need me to be whole. No. No, as our Thursday night small group is studying, we really do need each other. We really do. We were built for community. We were built for relationship. God designed us to need each other. But instead of coming to these relationships defined by our brokenness, we come into these relationships defined by what Christ believes about us and and what Christ has done in us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who is an incredible guy, if you don't know his story, you should definitely look that up. He wrote a book on Christian community called Life Together. Here's what he says. Christianity means community through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. No Christian community is more or less than this. Whether it's a brief single encounter or the daily fellowship of years Christian community is only this. We belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. He goes on to explain that the only way we relate to one another is through Christ. I have Christ in me, you have Christ in you. We relate to each other through Christ for the sake of Christ. Our entire relationship is permeated by Christ. I think it's a great foundation for moving out of the here as we understand the wholeness and how that, expect, how that affects our relationships. With that wholeness in mind, there are some things that need to happen within us as we go forward. Because part of that brokenness comes from the habits and the, the, just the stuff that we had before Christ. And Paul says as we go on here, like we need to leave those habits behind. Right? Verse 9 and 10, just listen to the language here. It says, Do not lie to each other well, that's since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. This this language here is literally like changing clothes. This is what the author this is what Paul is saying here. It's, you've you've changed your you've changed your clothes. You've taken off the old self and you have put on the new self. All of these things that you used to do need to stay things that you used to do. Alright, think about this. He, he goes on to have kind of a couple different lists here, right? The first list is sort of sins that destroy us inside. We talk about sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires, and greed, and idolatry. Alright, this is the, the list that he goes through here. Put, put all these things to death, therefore, is what he says. All these things, sexual immorality, is my body consecrated to God? Have I been giving my body to things that do not honor God? Impurity, is my mind clean before God? Is the way I think pure? Is it holy? Lust, evil desires, are my desires controlled by God? Greed, is my heart content in God? These are some questions that we can begin to ask as we leave these habits behind. Then he goes on. There's there's another list, right? In verse 8 and 9, talking about anger and rage and malice. Malice. What does he say? Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Don't lie. Think about these things. Anger, do I harbor bitterness towards other people? Rage, am I quick to anger? Malice, do I have hostility towards anyone else? Malice is literally ill will. Do I have ill will towards someone else? am Am I hoping that someone else fails? Am I hoping that someone else has not success? I don't know what the word for that would be. Am I happy when they don't succeed? Slander. Do I speak negatively about anyone? Filthy language. Are my words offensive to other people? Now, we can go through Scripture and unpack all of these things if we wanted to, but we don't, I don't really have time this morning. But we could. But those are some questions. Like, are these, are these things... Things that I'm known by. Do I lie? Do I ever ever misrepresent the truth? Why do we put these to death? Verse 6 and 7 is really pretty clear. The wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways. Don't do that anymore. You used to do this. This is not the way that we should live. We need to take these things seriously. Right, we, we, we understand and we recognize the wholeness that we have in Christ. But that wholeness needs to be setting aside some of the brokenness from our past. And not being, not being known or identified or just, uh, this is not who we are. I used to be a lot of those things. I'm sure some of you did also. My hope and my prayer is that that's not, that's not me anymore. That's not my identity. My identity is not found in the anger or the malice or the bitterness or the lying or, or the sexual morality or anything else that happens in these, pers- in these verses. My identity is not there. My identity is in Christ. I am whole in Christ. So as we go out and we see other people, as we are entering into relationships with other people, here's the thing. They don't also have to be identified Their identity doesn't have to be in those things. Their identity can also be in Christ. When I look at some of us in this room, I don't think about those things. Man, they used to be a liar. They used to be so angry. They used to be, no, that's not me. That's not you. Our identity is in Christ. Our wholeness is in Christ. And here's how he kind of closes this out. We we find wholeness in Christ. We get rid of some of the habits that we had. And the last thing is really we live in Christ. We live in Christ. Verse 12, therefore, as God's holy people holy and dearly loved, here's that clothing language again. Clothe yourselves with compassion, care for people around you, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. How can we live like this? Those things are not our nature most of the time. Those topless, that's more where we live in our human nature. This stuff, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. Does that list sound familiar to anybody else? Especially on Pentecost Sunday, a little bit of the fruit of the Spirit. Where do those things come from? They come from the Spirit of God that is within us. This is where the character, we can live in the character of Christ. And it is not because of anything that we have done. It is all because of the Holy Spirit dwelling within each and every one of us. This is how we live holy lives. This is how we live the way that God is calling us to live. is with the Holy Spirit indwelling each and every single one of us. And now we've come full circle. Pentecost Sunday. This is the birthday of the church. Talking about giving all of us to God and going out and and living out this all of me with everyone that I meet. Everything that God does in here is intended to, to affect everything that God is going to do out here. Everything that God does in me is intended to affect everyone that God puts around me. How does that work? It only works. It only works when we live with the Holy Spirit and allow him to direct and to guide and to convict and to empower us. This is the only way that it works. Paul keeps going. Verse 15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, I want to leave with this, whatever you do, Whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. It doesn't say, and mostly all you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And some of the stuff you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. That is not what Paul is going for here. Paul says, all of you, whatever you do, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. When you go to lunch today, or you have lunch today, and you're sitting around the table, the conversation you have, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. You go to the grocery store this week. Do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. You go to work this week. Do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do, the way that you speak to one another, the way that you relate to one another, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit enable all of you. Let the Holy Spirit indwell you, that you might make a difference for him, because what God is doing in you is intended to affect everyone that God puts around you. Amen and amen. Let's pray.